As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello, I'm Dan Bardell. And I'm Flo Lloyd Hughes. And welcome to the Athletic Football Podcast. It's Wednesday, which means we'll be picking out some of the best work available on the Athletic right now and putting the authors under the spotlight. This week, we're going to highlight a really good article entitled A Footballer's Guide to Christmas Parties, The Fines, Fifty Cuffs, Foreign Trips and Fancy Dress. It's a lot of Fs there. It's been brilliantly put together by our Wolves correspondent, Tim Spears, with help from the former Wolves winger, Matt Jarvis. And Tim will join us to dish the dirt shortly. Yeah, looking forward to catching up with Tim. It was a really, really funny and interesting piece. But before we do say hello to Tim, some breaking news flow as we're recording. Arsenal have stripped Aubameyang of the captaincy and they've said that he will not take part in the game against West Ham this week. Yeah, it's a really interesting one because none of us will will ever know what's really happened, I don't think. I think David Ornstein is probably the only person who will ever really know as close to the truth as possible. Uh, he, he knows everything, uh, David he, Ornstein. He, he has a ridiculous network of contacts, but I'm sure that, that you know there's lots of things that we will never know what truly happened. And it's probably also a build-up of various things. I don't think from what we understand from the situation, looks like he went to go visit his mum and he was a little bit late getting back from that trip because of COVID protocols. It adds sort of complications. It seems like it can't just be that and and, and maybe it's a build-up of, of other issues. But yeah, really interesting one. And I think, I think why Arteta is trying to be so strict is because of what's happened in the past at Arsenal. And I think he's really trying to stamp his authority because he knows that with the position that they're in, with the chaos that the club has been through over the last few years, he really wants to establish himself as the man, the man in charge, the man with the power, and that no one is uh, is above him. And I think it's a really fine balance to strike because you've got your star player who you gave the ca- captain armband to, to, to sweeten up. And it's, it's something that lots of clubs do. And what do you do now? Where do you go? Where do you go from now? They had a good result against Southampton at the weekend, but they've got West Ham on Wednesday night. A lot of Christmas fixtures. Is this going to be something that he's going to regret? Yeah, David Ornstein addressed the dispute on this very podcast on Monday. So let's take a listen to what he said. Clearly, part of this is misunderstanding. 
but let's not disguise the fact that it is a problem. He's the captain of Arsenal Football Club. It is not the first time Arteta has publicly criticised or revealed that he uh, has committed a disciplinary breach. Although that's, I guess, a description that depends on what you term a disciplinary breach. I think Aubameyang might argue that his situation wasn't necessarily a disciplinary breach. And if you're going to say that, some people believe Arteta should have elaborated on the reasons why. Because I think in this country, when you hear the phrase, you immediately think of something a bit more serious or sinister. Of course, it's his prerogative if he wants to expand or not. There was a feeling around the Emirates press box on Saturday uh, that he was going to go into further detail after the match, which he didn't do. And that left a lot of speculation, such as this Instagram image of him receiving a tattoo last week, people suggesting he had flown to Barcelona and broken club rules to do that. We understand that this tattoo was a scheduled event that took place in London and is not part of this punishment or breach, even if it doesn't reflect well in terms of optics. So here we are again, another incident involving an Arsenal captain, another incident involving a Bamiang, and I don't know where it goes from here. He's 32 years old. He's got 18 months left on his contract and it feels like a bit of a mess. Yeah, it does feel like one disciplinary breach too many for a Bamiang. I mean, before we get on to where he goes from here, I mean, he's 32, 350 grand a week. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with him now because it feels like Arsenal are kind of heading in a different direction, which makes the contract even more crazy. There's no natural pick there for a club captain at Arsenal, I would say, Flo. Yeah, it's it's. I think you would look at position and you would say, Ramsdale, incredible leader. He's already stamped his authority on that team. Vocal, very vocal player, big personality. Um, but at the same time, like you said, he's very new. And mm. to give someone who's only been at the club three months, three, four months, that kind of authority and who's quite young as well, relatively speaking, still... That's a big move. So then you look, you're like, well, Lacazette, he could be leaving, but he's got the experience and he's been there a long time. Uh, Kieran Tierney, similarly, not the loudest player in the world, Ben White. I mean, I don't look at that team and I don't see a captain that screams out to me apart from probably Anne Ramsdale. No. Back to Granite Xhaka. Went so well <laughs> last time he was the captain of Arsenal. Just, I, there, there is no natural fit. If I had to choose someone, I think I'd probably just go with Ben White and hope that he led it by example on the pitch play centre-half. He'll play every week. There just isn't yeah. a natural player to really get that, that armband. I mean, is the, is the armband even that important? When you think of a Bamiyang having it, is he really the most vocal leader? Does him being captain really make a difference to Arsenal? I'm not sure it does. So, yeah, it'd be interesting think, to see what happens. I think it's a really interesting one, and I think we'll also probably see a piece on this on the, at the Athletic and um, I think there probably has been one before actually maybe around the, the England captaincy but it is a question to be asked how much does it really matter because a club captain when you look at any club it's often a player who actually might not even play that much but their experience and they've been there very long time and they're respected in the, in the dressing room so really when you look at who needs to be that leader does it need to be someone on the pitch or does it need to be someone who's just around and and has that respect and authority and how much difference does it actually make yeah our arsenal fan producer 
He's saying a male Smith Rowe carrying the team this season and he has the Arsenal DNA. The DNA is always important with the captaincy, isn't it? Yeah, whatever that DNA means. I mean, Manchester United are the are the kings of, of the DNA mentality, but I mean, whatever that means. I couldn't tell you what the DNA of Arsenal is at the moment because they always seem to be wrapped up in chaos. But yeah, whatever, whatever, it's really whatever Arteta wants. I mean, that's what he's trying to do with this decision. It's, this is how he sees his club structure and his squad and he, the culture. That's what he wants. So really... He needs to establish that because I think fans are probably still working out. A lot of people who look at the way they play are still working that out. And really, it's all all on the line for Arteta at the moment. I quite like the way he talks about it, to be honest, when he was interviewed at the week and he talks about the non-negotiables. I think it's a, I think it's a sign of strength. I actually quite like that from him. But it's going to be fascinating to see what happens. And I'm sure there'll be some articles on The Athletic around this incident. So remember, if you're not a subscriber, you can sign up to The Athletic at the moment for just £3.33 a month for 12 months. You'll enjoy typically great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around. And you'll also get ad-free versions of all our podcasts, including this one. Go to The Athletic dot com slash football pod to take advantage of the offer that's the athletic.com slash football pod and if you are enjoying the show then please leave us a review tim welcome to the athletic football podcast always a pleasure to talk to you despite your wolves allegiances now we're focusing on your story today christmas parties it's that time of year first off did you go to the Athletics Christmas party last week? No, I, you know, I didn't. Um, you didn't? I didn't. I was hoping for I, some tails. <laughs> there are a few. I, I, briefly, <laughs> I very briefly stopped by for about 90 minutes and then I went and headed off to the Arsenal Women Barcelona game. So I think I missed the real gossipy section because I was yeah. only there for a lot, the sort of like very straight-laced quiz where it was Quality Street and some becks being per- passed round. But I'm sure things got a bit livelier. Uh, later in the evening, I've, I've I've got a few stories, but because they're secondhand and potentially defamatory, I probably shouldn't um, <laughs> shouldn't spread them. But but the, the, there were some good messages in the WhatsApp group, sort of locations for bars at like well well past midnight. Yeah, um, but no, I had I had the misfortune of planning an Ashes party the night before uh, for the day that Australia batted in the first test. So I was oh, up no. till I was up drinking till seven in the morning that day. So it probably wasn't Ooh. wasn't wasn't advisable to uh, to Ooh, carry on to the Athletic geez. Christmas party. No, I've seen yeah. I've seen some pictures from the the Athletic Christmas party of my Aston Villa partner. I'll say partner. I don't know why I say that. Aston Villa partner Greg Evans. Yeah, looking very worse for wear on the pictures <laughs> I saw. So yeah, drop him in it for sure. So yeah, putting this piece together, Tim, how was it? Talking to Matt Jarvis, former Wolves, West Ham. Been been around every, a bit of everywhere, hasn't he, Matt Jarvis? Only he'll have experienced parties at all different levels. That's that's exactly why I picked him out, to be honest. Plus plus he's such a good lad and I knew he'd answer the phone, which is always a good start. Yeah. Uh, when trying when trying to get a hold of footballers. So yeah, I was kind of tasked with exploring the theme of footballers' Christmas parties. Um I mean, you've only got to Google it to see some of the crazy stories that have happened over the years. Um, and, and that's just the ones that make it into the papers, to be honest. Um, so I thought, I thought I'd, I thought I'd speak to Matt, like you say, because he's played at all levels. Um, and I, I, mess, I messaged him um, if he'd, if he'd want to take part and do an interview. And, you know, sometimes it's quite hard to get footballers, especially when they're trying to, you know, when they, you're asking them to give up their free time. You know, these, these are busy people. Um, some of them don't like speaking to the press, yada, yada, yada. Anyway, I got a reply within about 20 seconds saying, yes, I'll do that. <laughs> he, he basically absolutely loves... He seems loves, like a party boy, though, <laughs> from totally, reading the piece. He seems like a party boy. 100% party boy. And he, he um, 
he just he couldn't get on the phone quick enough to just start t- telling some <laughs> stories about Christmas parties. He's basically like it's the night of the year, and the vast majority of footballers just absolutely love it. They talk about it for weeks in advance. They'll talk about it for weeks and months afterwards. Um, I, I guess it's, it's the same with a lot of workplaces. Really, it's just it's just the social event of the year. But footballers, many of whom being millionaires, and many of whom aren't allowed out on the lash, you know, very often. Mm-hmm. It's it's just it's just this massive crescendo, which often leads to absolute carnage. I mean, I imagine they have probably have they haven't they're not doing there's not much going on this year. Probably nothing last year. Well, there wouldn't have been anything last year because they're not government officials. So, hey. um, <laughs> yeah, I had to get I had to get something like that in. So, really, if you say it's the biggest night of the year, it's going to be a big miss. Yeah, I th- well, yeah, um, I, I I I think a few, a few clubs managed to sneak them in because they tend to do them at the end of November or early December, probably to avoid the Christmas crowds. But yeah. also, you have to do it. Matt was telling me you have to do it when there's no game in midweek. There is just no other option, basically. If you've got a game in midweek, you don't go out on on, on a footballers' Christmas party even three days before. You know these days, it's not it's not it's not like the seventies where where you'd go <laughs> where you'd still be you'd out. Have a pint before the match. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, no, I've heard of a few that have been cancelled this year. Um, you tend to know when they've gone on because if, if there's anything footballers. Um, love it's fancy dress, and they love abs- have absolutely no ex- no um that they need no excuse to to plaster themselves all over Instagram with a fancy dress, you know, before before the phones go off, you know, sort of post nine pm. So uh, I haven't I haven't seen too many this year, which is a shame. Um, and Matt, it's his first year as as uh, of not being a footballer because he retired uh, last summer. So yeah, he's he's gutted not to be able one as well this year. So tell us a little bit about how how they're organized is it the captain is it a senior player that sort of takes on is there sort of like a social sec like you would have at uni how, how do people organize them yeah that's that's one of the things I was keen to kind of get from Matt actually and he basically said um October maybe even September is when they really start to plan these nights um it's the captain or senior players who'll do it um one interesting thing that Matt said was the way that they fund it um isn't just um players putting a proportion of their wages into a kitty um they basically start doubling the fines from sort of november onwards so you know um footballers have fines for anything really but but the main one being uh, i guess being late to training or having your phone in the dressing room yada 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 so the, the fines that they pay for that which obviously vary from club to club tend to be doubled and all the money goes into the kitty for for the christmas party um and um, and yeah, Matt said most of the clubs that he was at, they tended um, to sort of ask the squad where they wanted to go, and all the players would sort of put their preferred destination um, into a hat, and then the votes would be added up. And this can range from sort of you know the local city where you play to London or maybe Edinburgh or Dublin or Belfast or then or or further afield Barcelona Amsterdam it's it's basically a stag do to be honest that's what it's well that's like. what I was going to say do you ever have you know like the the hangover the, the movie do you ever have any of those did you have any of those stories where you know you plan to to stay in London for the night out and then one of the squad ends up in like Amsterdam at three in the morning and he's lost his passport and he's got a tattoo on his face I mean like does do, do any of them sort of really unravel and turn into something that's like really crazy. I think. I think. T- t- take your passport again. Like it's, 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 you just got to have it in your back pocket just in case. Um, one of the one of the sort of most notorious ones actually is one that shouldn't have gone ahead over. Um, one of the most notorious ones from over the years was was Spurs two thousand and nine when um, Harry Redknapp had basically told the squad 
not not to have a Christmas party because he hates them and, and would later ban them both at Spurs and QPR and just says there's absolutely no benefit to it whatsoever. Um, and he, I think he told Spurs not to go, but Robbie Keane sort of took them on the sly to Dublin anyway. Um, and then this, this got out in the press and uh, but uh, if I think I think the way it got out actually was Redknapp Redknapp didn't know about it but was told about it in a press conference um, and then just went absolutely livid at the whole squad. Um, he basically said, "I'm going to sort Robbie Keane out." <laughs> I think he probably, I think he left a couple of years later, um, and everyone had to give twenty grand I think to a to a charity as sort of punishment for doing that. So um, so yeah, I, the other interesting thing from Matt, I was kind of saying, look. Are the managers told about this? Are the gaffers informed? And he said, you just basically give them a loose plan of where you're going, but not the details. And then the gaffer will just come back and say, basically, don't do anything illegal um, and don't do anything that's going to that's gonna embarrass the club. But apart from that, you, you sort of do what you want, really. Um, so it's, it's sort of all bets are off. Do you know what? What was interesting about this article was, was the comments underneath. Lots of people... Kind of saying it sounds like their idea of a worst nightmare. Um, um, Philip said, uh, this sounds like the worst night ever. Uh, a guy called Scott said, I think I'll just take the fine and not go. And then a chap called uh, uh, Dave said, so much banter sounds awful. Um, and then Martin said, these are hardcore professionals at the top of their game. Imagine a load of heart surgeons going out on the lash. Is, this isn't the nineteen. <laughs> this this isn't the nineteen seventies, isn't it? Time people grow up a bit. Now, yeah, but anyone who went to uni knows that the medics party the hardest. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I was someone who, like a lot of our subscriber comments, this is my idea of hell. I never really liked. I never joined any sports teams because the idea of doing some of their socials and and the forfeits and all that kind of nonsense like drives me around the wall. Like I don't like that kind of like laddie laddie behaviour. But. And, and and Matt makes the point in this piece, like if you are part of a team and there's the also the work hard, play hard mentality to certainly medics subscribe to, but if you are part of a team, that can have a huge benefit in many ways when you bring the side together and there's something you're united about as much as for most of us it is the idea of hell. I love yeah, totally. the sound of it. I do. I love it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> same, yeah. The inner stag do in, in you, uh, Dan, is yeah, coming out, isn't it? Yeah, love a stag do. Absolutely love a stag do. I do. No, yeah, I, I appreciate some ideas, like idea of a worst nightmare. But I, as 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 you said, Flo, and as Matt said, it's it's a release more than anything. Mm. You know, these guys are these guys are um, are locked indoors for a lot of the year, especially these days, professionals and how and how professional they have to be and how they choose to be. So this is the sort of one release they get. Really, you know, they get permission to go out. Um, uh, footballers are so professional these days. No body fat, no bad foods, no alcohol in a lot of cases. And as Jarvis says. Um, it's team bonding more than anything, um, and that's something you might expect a sort of manager to say, really, when when justifying letting them out. But but Jarvis says it really rings true that like you know maybe maybe there's a, a player who's just joined who doesn't know the language very well, maybe there's a shy player who just hasn't come out of his shell yet, or a kid who hasn't really been around the first team. And I think we all know from from our own workplaces, you know, you get these big nights, you get a couple of drinks inside someone, and they start to open up, you know. Uh, they might do something hilarious. They might do something legendary, and that and that and that kind of sticks with them for for weeks and months. Really, they're in they're in the group. Um, and Matt says it's it's really important and uh, for team bonding. And he's genuinely noticed on several occasions over the years that after a great Christmas party, they've gone and won the next game or gone on a good run of form because it really just it really just lifts team spirit and lifts the whole atmosphere at the club. I want to just circle back 
Harry Redknapp, someone said this in the comments. He doesn't feel like a manager that wouldn't like Christmas parties to me. Of all the Premier League yeah, or ex-Premier kind of League school, managers, he, yeah, like... of all the ones you could pick out who would hate Christmas parties happening, Harry Redknapp would not have been top of my list to, to have said something like that. Does he just hate Christmas? Vision, <laughs> visions of Harry Redknapp just sit, sitting around Christmas table really, really grumpy because he doesn't like Christmas and doesn't like the Christmas spirit. It just feels really weird that it's Harry Redknapp. Oh, yeah, he'd, he'd have been out in his day. Him, him, and, yeah, him, exactly. him, him and Bobby Moore around by the East End. You know, that's uh, he'd been loving it. I mean, there was a question from subscriber Alex M, and we, we've kind of talked about this a little bit. Like, d- does it still happen? I would have thought most of them hardly drink at all anymore, especially if you're a Premier League club. To me, it separates those who might play at a top level for a few years to those absolute pros who play Premier League their, their whole career. I guess if it's one night, it's not going to separate players out. Is it one night where they're all doing exactly the same thing? Yeah, but also I'd imagine these footballers with their 5% body fat, they must be huge lightweights. So, yeah, you'd think, right? Yeah. One Jaeger bomb and you're done at exactly. that rate. Exactly. Well, just a couple of EK oranges and that, you know. <laughs> Even that, the sugar, the sugar will be enough to send you over the edge. In all the <laughs> exactly. Legs. So I don't, I don't think they're having 15 pints and like and ruining their body for the next few weeks. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? So, I think it's more. I think it's more the fact that it's like it's always a weekend. Matt was saying as well. Um, he, he said he said you'll pray for the game to be moved to Friday night that weekend so then you get a full weekend but obviously that's you know that's that's pretty miraculous normally it's going to be a Saturday and he basically says um, all throughout that Saturday game that Saturday game and throughout the day all they're thinking about is going out afterwards and it's like win lose or draw and I've seen I've seen it myself I've been I've been at Wolves games and um, and they're all there with their suitcases you know, but before the match, and you're like, "What's what's going on here?" You know, they've just just got Arsenal away today. They're not staying overnight tonight. Um, and then they're they're all trundled out with their suitcases afterwards, straight into their private cars and off and off to the airport. Um, and then they tend to, Matt says, in his experience, they tend to get to the hotel where they're staying on that Saturday night and just head straight out for sort of an initial first night. But then the the really big night is the next day, the Sunday, um, where he says again in his experience, it's fancy dress day. They're all in the hotel and they tend to just converge at checkout time at 11 in the morning, all in their fancy dress in this hotel lobby. And you can imagine like some of the sights uh, that you must get in, in your local travel lodge. Well, actually, probably not a travel lodge. Maybe a, Mal- maybe a Malmaison. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> um, and then it's, it's basically out all day, watch the Sunday games in a sports bar um, and then carry on out into the night. Um, and he said his favourite fancy dress because he absolutely loves it was the theme was 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 a colour basically um, and they all had to, they, I think they picked a colour out of the hat and the colour was white so everyone had to dress in white um, and he dressed in a white a full body white morph suit with a Gandalf beard uh, white Jay Z glasses and white surgical gloves. Um, and came out of the hotel lift and sat down in the squad uh, amongst the squad for the next 30 minutes not saying a single word because nobody knew who he was and he didn't want to open his mouth to, to say who he was which just sounds absolutely ludicrous um, so yeah uh, fancy dress is a major part of it his his favourite that he took part in was uh, a Norwich squad which went to Barcelona for the weekend and they had 25 players dressed in full Lionel Messi kit 
and one Ronaldo in uh, in full Real Madrid kit. Um, I think it was uh, Marley Watkins who drew the short straw for that one, and he said they were just running uh, running down uh, Lorambles with um, kicking a football around, and then you had this Ronaldo, Marley Watkins. Uh, jumping into the rows, uh, stopping traffic, <laughs> dressed as Ronaldo, which again just sounds absolutely ludicrous. Yeah, brave as well in Barcelona. Very brave. Real Madrid Very kit. brave. Jeez, yeah. lucky he survived and came back from that party. I've actually done that morph suit thing myself. I've got a white Power Rangers morph doesn't, suit. Doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, absolutely brilliant. Again, nobody knew who I was. It was absolutely brilliant just walking around, not speaking, just nodding at people, putting your thumbs up and everyone thinking, who is who is this guy? It's absolutely brilliant. I've been, I've been privy to some pictures of uh, Villa fancy dress as well, the, the Villa players. They take it seriously. Oh, like yeah, you say, the footballers definitely. love fancy dress. I've seen some outrageous costumes from the Villadors. Yeah, oh, oh, it's um, they all absolutely love it. And of course, you know they, they've they've probably done even sorted out themselves. I'd imagine they'll just they'll just get their agent or their PA or someone just to sort them out an amazing outfit. Um, and they they can't help but sh- but 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 stick it all over Instagram as well. They absolutely love the attention. I guess money's no object for these things as well, both in terms of destination, what you do, how much your fancy dress costume costs. They all earn so much money that they can literally just just go nuts. Yeah, no, it is. But then the lower down the leagues you go, that's why I was sort of keen to speak to Matt Jarvis. You know, yeah, true. Because he's been at Gillingham and Woking. You know, it's it's not going to be in all expenses to to Germany or Barcelona if if you're at Woking. So it's more. Um, <laughs> I think it's more pop down the local boozer for a few and just see where the night takes you. I was going to say, can you just talk us through what a, a woking Christmas party would, would be <laughs> yeah. like before, before we go to the ad break? Because of COVID, he didn't, he didn't actually, I don't think they actually had oh, one last it. year. It was his own, yeah. His, his, oh, his he own, didn't get one last hurrah. That his is own, his own, someone his only who loves it so much. At woking, yeah, exactly. Another interesting thing he said, I, I assumed that the biggest football night out of the year would be at the end of the season when you've mm, got yeah. absolutely no responsibilities to come and you can just completely let go. But he said this tradition is just completely ingrained. That it's, it's, it's Christmas every year. That's the main night. I guess when you win something as well, or you the season, because Jack Grealish went out drinking for a week, didn't he? Basically, after Villa got promoted, you he, would do, wouldn't you? You would. Yeah, do. he just he just ne- never stopped. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. But I would have thought the same as you. End of the season, you've got six weeks off or whatever. That's that's when you really hit it hard. Plenty more to discuss. Really, really enjoying this. You are listening to the Athletic Football Podcast, and we're going to talk more about Christmas parties and footballers and what happens when the parties really get out of hand. We'll be back after this short break. Stay with us. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Tim, understandably, these things can easily sort of get a little bit out of hand. Um, I mean, the first question I have is, 
There are some stories that do get leaked to the press, but with a lot of recognisable faces either in their local area or on a national scale turning up in ridiculous fancy dress in a bar or a nightclub, I mean, you'd think we'd probably hear even more stories than we do. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, mobile phone, camera, age, a lot of it's done in sort of VIP clubs maybe um maybe leave your phone at the door type clubs or maybe hire a big private room you know they've, they've got to be so careful these days um especially at such an important time of the season and time of the year as well you know it won't be so bad like we were saying if it was if it was end of the season but um but you've, you've <laughs> it's bonkers really because you've got the busiest period of football of the whole season coming up right you've 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 got you've got potentially four four games in the next sort of two weeks probably for pretty much every club then you've got FA cup after that you know there's no winter break this season so it's a crazy time of year to hold it and yeah um a lot of players a lot of teams a lot of squads have gotten a lot of trouble before for sort of taking it too far which inevitably happens you know when you've got footballers to whom money is no object um mm. and you've got 25 um people aged 18 to 35 out on the lash with sort of no holes barred, then it's it's going to go too far sometimes. And I'm sure there's been hundreds, hundreds of examples of it going too far, but only a few have sort of uh, made it to the press. I'm interested to know, did Matt talk about, you know, when things are going badly at a football club, you know, if you're in a, in a relegation battle or you've lost a few games and you're then going out at a Christmas party and the fans get wind of it and, you know, they, they won't be happy if results aren't good. They'll say, like, the players shouldn't be going out, they shouldn't be partying when, when we're struggling and we're, we're losing games. Would that affect a Christmas party happening? Does that affect the players? Would they think, oh, I need to be on better behaviour because we aren't doing well at the moment? Or he was, just, they uh, just go for it? No, he was he was adamant that that should never, ever happen. And that, you know, using his example, that, you know, it can, it can turn a club's form around. Um, and, yeah, there have been examples in the past. I think Newcastle, maybe, from memory, sort of uh, voluntarily binned theirs off when they were going through a horrendous run a, a while back. Um, it's, well, it will just make everyone more miserable, won't it? Yeah. If you're already, exactly. If you've promised it to them, they're on a really bad run, things are going terribly. By saying you can't have a party, like, I understand the if the perception from fans, if they were playing terribly and the fans saw them having a big night out. But at the same time, like that's the only thing that they've got to cheer them up. That's the only thing to boost morale because everything else is crap. I've, I've, I've had a Christmas party cancelled before at a previous employer. And um, yeah, it, def- it definitely does affect sort of the morale for, for those sort of few weeks. You know, I've... Were you on a bad run with articles, Tim? <laughs> put, in a, put in a couple yeah. of stinkers you know and cancelled it. And then they cancelled it and I just, I just, I, I, I gave up, Dan. I wrote some yeah. horrendous articles for the next few weeks. I was like, well, sod you, you know. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, in fairness, um, that was, that was um, a knock-on effect from the year before when... Um, I, I can't go into too many details, but but the police the police were called and oh uh, there were tasers involved and a couple of arrests and some really dodgy shenanigans. Uh, oh like, no. uh, none of which I was involved in, by the way, but I was a witness. I was a, wit- I was a witness. Um, this feels like this might have been the reason you didn't go to the party last week, Tim. <laughs> yeah, this wasn't the athletic, I should say. Um, and then so the next year it was sort of decided by the bosses, well, okay, I don't, don't think we should have a Christmas party this year. Um, which I guess is fair enough, but yeah, it, do, it, does, it, does, it does kind of disrupt morale. Uh, that's what I mean. You, you, you can... 
you can kind of transfer a lot of the things we're talking about to your own workplace really and and like i said how um how it can be a great thing to kind of bring everyone together um and sort of people of different ages and and different um levels of responsibility within the company sort of all coming together um and having a and having a good night out do teams ever run into each other? So if, you know, Arsenal, for example, this is a terrible example, Arsenal are on their Christmas party night the same night as Spurs and they're, they're in London. Is there a chance that teams could run into each other? Did, did Matt ever talk about anything like that? Uh, all the time, he said, because you've got, you know, you've got dozens and dozens of football clubs. And the, the, like I was saying earlier, there's only a small window to go out. I mean, obviously it's a Christmas party, which makes which 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 immediately reduces that window. But also um, it, it can't be when a midweek game is coming up. So, um, so I doubt anyone would have been having one, you know, this week, for example, um, uh, COVID or not, because there's a full week of uh, midweek games. Um, so yeah, and, and and also there's only a limited number of places where 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 footballers will go. So Dublin is is a hot spot. Um, apparently, yeah, Winter Wonderland in London has become. Um, Quite well, a, I was going to say, I do actually know a few weeks ago, there were a few WSL and, and Women's Championship sides who all coincided at Winter Wonderland a few weeks ago on their Christmas do. So it was very apt to see this piece because it is something that is very much sort of happening, I think, right now. But I think given COVID, that's probably been tamed down a little bit in the past week. But Yeah, yeah. there's there's one anonymous uh, story in the piece about how a, a player from one team decided to slide tackle uh, a player from from another team at Winter Wonderland, um, but no, nobody found it funny. So it almost sort of erupted into a into a massive brawl. Um, imagine if he'd injured him there. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Imagine, yeah. unbelievable. Well, you you know you do get in. Calvin Phillips was injured. I don't know the circumstances, but he was uh, he picked up an injury, didn't he, on Leeds' recent um, Christmas do. Um, Matt says, yeah, it's, it's inevitable. You bump into people, and you tend to just uh, mingle for a bit throw some banter around as they say um and then you just but you stick with your squad he says it's it's you you don't then go off into little groups and mingle with other squads it's all about your squad and your team and your night out so um but yeah inevitably they do mix quite a lot we've already spoken about it a little bit but the footballers they they do, they do work it's a busy schedule busy time of year to to be a footballer and playing in plenty of games you know as a fan I absolutely love this time of year because there's football on all the time. You can always sit down and tune in and watch football at night. But for the footballers, it's a hectic schedule. They do make sacrifices around Christmas. Do you feel a bit sorry for them that this year they, they won't get their party? I know we've already spoken about it a little bit, but it is, it is their release. And they, they do make sacrifices around Christmas around their family. You know, then they're not going to get that this year. Yeah, no, absolutely. They they do make a lot of sacrifices. You're right, and um, I'm sure I'm sure there'll be there'll be there'll be something or other at most clubs. Whether that's just a Christmas meal or whether that's just a lot of them going around to another player's house or something like that. But it's it's obviously it's obviously not not going to be the same. Um, but clubs will probably breathe a sigh of relief. Um, you know, there's <laughs> as as much as the managers are sort of happy to let it happen. Um, apart from the team bonding sort of thing, there's nothing much good that can come of it really. Um, and you know, careers careers have been damaged or ruined or ended by things that have happened on Christmas parties. You know, remember mm. the, the without getting too sort of serious, but the the the, the youth player whose name escapes me, apologies, but, um, who who had his 
uh, who had a cigar put in his eye by Jerry Barton. I mean, he said that that really affected the sort of the rest of of what remained of his career. Um, and there's again another story in the piece, again anonymous, um, of a footballer at a club who was sort of who was a young footballer, really kind of highly regarded um, as one of the best sort of young players in England at that time. Um, and his future was basically his future. That club was basically ended. He, he exposed himself to a waitress during a Christmas party. Um, and obviously that that got back to club management, and um, he was uh, punished and sort of um, yeah, eventually sort of pushed out of the club. So, like, like like we said earlier, footballers you know do have a tendency to take things too far, but you, you've you've got to be pretty careful because the chances of this of things happening on a Christmas night out remaining a secret are, are pretty slim, really. So yeah, you've got to be careful. Yeah, Harry Redknapp will be cursing, sat at home thinking, why couldn't Christmas parties have got cancelled when when I was a manager? Yeah, he'll be absolutely <laughs> fuming. But thanks for talking to us today, Tim. Really, really, really interesting, really funny. I've enjoyed it. I quite fancy a night out now, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's have a look now at some of the other writing that's been going on on the athletic flow. Have you got a piece that you've enjoyed this week? Yeah, a really interesting one, actually, because last week people were telling me, like, Real Madrid can win the Champions League, Real Madrid can win the Champions League. And I have to be completely honest, I have not watched really one single minute of Real Madrid football this season. Uh, So it's really interesting to see this piece by Michael Cox about... Ancelotti's Real Madrid underlapping fullbacks and wingers on the same flank as the title of the piece but he goes into detail about what has changed and why they are looking so good uh, and what is so unique as well about the way they play so I think it's a really interesting one as someone who hasn't really paid much attention to them but everyone is talking about right now in terms of the the Champions League uh, just a really interesting piece. And nearly, you know, I always, before we come on and do this podcast, I always pick one piece to read that we'll, that we'll talk about for this section. And I was very close to picking that one. <laughs> very, very close, but I didn't. I picked Laurie Whitwell's interview with Brandon Williams. Interesting character. Oh, that was the other one I was going to oh, pick Oh, there we as go. Well. We did, it, worked, it all worked for us. So, yeah, interview with Brandon Williams about basically being a Manchester United fan coming through at United and now what he's up to at Norwich. Interesting character. Like quite a, a likeable character from the way the interview came across. So if you haven't checked those pieces out yet, make sure that you do. And if you can't, because you're not a subscriber, then a reminder from me that at the moment you can read every article we've spoken about on this podcast and much more by signing up to The Athletic and saving 33% on a full subscription. To do that, just go to theathletic.com slash football pod and you will make that saving. 
So that does us for today. Thanks to Flo for joining me as ever. And thanks to Tim for popping in as well. Great to talk to him. And of course, thank you all of you for listening as well. Get involved in the comments section. We'd love to hear your thoughts. And wherever you do get your podcast, if you are enjoying the show, then please leave us a review too. This was the Athletic Football Podcast. Mark Chapman and Matt Slater will be back with another episode tomorrow. So hopefully you'll join us again. The Athletic.